0: The Click Five was a band that got stuck in being part of what the music industry wanted them to be. Unable to explore other sounds, the band eventually broke up, but not without having a major hit with Just the Girl, written by Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne. Today, I'm joined by podcast host Will Carey to discuss if the Click Five deserved more, or if their wannabe Beatles vibe should be forgotten entirely. It is all you need to make the
1: money guaranteed, and you can live off royalties
0: forever, and it makes me wonder, is it just a wonder, All right, Will, so you picked The Click Five with their song, which I, I kind of forget the name of this song already because I always think this song to me is just... Nah, 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 nah. What What is this song
1: called? Uh, This song is called Just The Girl, which is really what most songs in this genre of music are really about.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And you were a fan of this song when it was out in the year 2005? When this song came out, I
1: definitely remembered liking it but i remember at the time thinking i cannot tell anybody that i enjoy this song cuz i was a, a couple years into my like political punk rock like discovering like anti flag and minor threat and fugazi so th- like that was where i was at at the time so i remember right. liking it but remember liking it secretly
0: yeah it was a guilty pleasure i yes. i get that i get that yeah i was way too cool for this band at this time <laughs> I, I and you know what's crazy about it is the song itself is kind of like Maybe like a poor man's all American rejects in a way or something like it's, it's not, it's definitely not bad musically. I don't think that was ever my problem with it. I think if the song just existed and maybe was 20% more aggressive, I feel like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of weak. It's a little bit of, it's, it's, it's. it's it, yeah, it's very
1: it's very mid tempo. Like it has all of the things that I like about songs like growing up, loving pop punk. It has like palm muted power chords. It's got a r- super catchy chorus. It has a little a little synthesizer hook. But yeah, it's it's very like mid mid tempo. But I also think if you were to put this song in like on a mixtape with bands like The Academy
0: Is, I don't think it would sound that unusual. I think you're right, but I I think that maybe it was something about talked about this on here before. But first of all. Never heard of this band before. And and (laughs) I was very involved in this world of music that this would fall into. You know, never heard of them before. So they came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. They had the haircuts and the outfit and the cheesy music video. And it just everything about it just screamed this isn't real. (laughs) This is completely just this put together band that paid no dues and just exists. And I think regardless of the song, I think now in my life, I can listen to a song and just appreciate a song for what it is without taking that stuff into consideration. Right. But at the time, I could not do that, especially at the time touring extensively busting my ass selling CDs to people through headphones and parking lots uh you know mm-hmm. very little label support and st- you know at this time and and to see like like why do these guys get to be famous i i don't i don't get it why do these guys get to have a bunch of money i think so you know coming from a jaded perspective i don't think i could appreciate the song as a song at the time
1: and that makes complete sense and and i absolutely agree with you i think they're very much like one of those groups that was very much like and based on my like wikipedia research was like played maybe a little bit around where they where they are from but were actively like let's get a label let's become part of the machine so I can absolutely relate to that the equivalent for me would be like if a if like a, a stand-up comedian who I've never heard of who's been doing comedy for three years is suddenly all over TV whereas right. I know tons of funny people that have been like grinding it out on the road and, and in comedy clubs and in like bar shows in, and open mics in New York who should be on TV and aren't that it's the same thing for me so I re- totally relate to that right
0: and, and and to be clear I'm not crying about it here I'm just saying that like Uh, at the same time, I'm not going to be a fan of them. (laughs) You know, like... Oh, yeah. If you want to talk about the actual song, the actual song, which was written by Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. Fountains of Wayne, yeah. Uh, Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. We lost him this year. The dude's an insane songwriter. Unfortunately, it wasn't until after he died that I, like, looked at his resume of everything. You know, I knew Fountains of Wayne, but I didn't know he wrote all the songs for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He wrote That Thing You Do. Mm -hmm. What he's done is just so insane and if he was singing this song or if it wasn't this band (laughs) that i just was just like pre-programmed to not like Mm -hmm. yeah i think that i could enjoy the song it's catchy chorus you know the lyrics are kind of whatever they're bubble gum as it gets when it comes to like pop rock music their background's kind of strange like you you just touched on I, I don't know how how much you dug it into that but they are basically they were going to Berkeley College of Music so they are mm-hmm. all. Legit musicians. So I got to give them credit for that. You know, it wasn't like they were just cute guys and pretended to play their instruments. So exactly. You
1: know. they, w- they weren't found at a mall somewhere and just been like, hey, we're going to, we're going to, a mall in Orlando say, hey, we're going to teach you to dance and teenage girls are going to scream at you. I'm like, right. okay. Yeah. So they, so they actually like studied music and can play their instruments. I wanted to touch briefly on what you said. Yes. If, if Fountains of Wayne recorded and, and wrote the song, I think people would feel, Differently about it.
0: To be honest, I don't know how most people feel about it. I would assume that anyone that I know would be like, "Yeah, it's a pretty good song," and you know, not too into the band. And mm-hmm. most people wouldn't know the name of this band. I, I know when I did your podcast, we were just talking about this podcast, and you brought them up to me. I didn't know who they were, then you then you kind of hummed it or sang it to me. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I know that song," and I definitely heard the name, the Click Five? They were going to music school together, so that's cool, but they were discovered by a talent agent who, this is a quote, liked their playing, but had a low regard for their songs and appearance. (laughs) So basically (laughs) some guy with some pool was like, well, you guys can kind of play. I'm going to get you guys someone else to write your songs. I'm going to get a stylist and and whatever, and I'm just going to make you guys into what you need to be to be famous and yeah totally is that cool i personally don't really think that's cool uh but that's just my opinion man you know
1: i agree with you completely it lends itself and we, we've talked about this a lot when you hear of a band or an artist there's no like history of like their their per, of previous performances or like time in the trenches uh i would i would say like metaphorically right it gives it that uh, appearance of like kind of being slapped together and and yeah just like you said they this guy took like a a grain of a 90 is like, I can, I'll, I'll figure, I'll figure something out uh, for the rest. And for me, I felt the same way when I first heard this song, because the haircuts and the matching suits, and even the, the, the music video for this song is all clearly s- screaming. Think of the Beatles. Think of the Beatles.
0: Right. <laughs> and very much targeted towards not not targeted towards me this wasn't targeted towards uh, you know a punk dude sure yeah it was targeted towards young girls who they wanted to think the band was cute and if that's the thing and it, it, it's a cute song I there's no other there's no other real way to put it than that it's definitely got the falsetto parts it's got a lot of cuteness to it and that's not necessarily a bad thing um, but I think it lacks a lot of depth and emotion and feeling it's just it's it's
1: fluff is what I would call it. 100% unchallenging song meant to be heard,
0: enjoyed and then forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> that that is pretty good uh summary of this song. Their uh like background gets even weirder. <laughs> they themselves admitted that they sucked live, which that's lame. Why You're, you go to music school? Why would you suck live? You should be good. <laughs> well, and, yeah, or just play
1: more. Just pre- Yeah. Just do yeah. more gigs and you will sound better live. That, there was that no I remember excuse. that too.
0: No excuse for that. And it's so weird. They somehow got to working with Paul Stanley from Kiss. He has yeah, something to do with this band. And, you know, it says like in the in the music, I watched the music video before we did this, and they like fly in on a helicopter to a school and all the kids in the school are like, oh, my God. And then they get rumor that the Click 5 is going to play on the roof. But then I noticed, yep. I don't know if you noticed, but it said like, Paul Stanley school on the outside of it or something like that. And I was like, how the hell is Paul Stanley? Involved oh no! I miss. I, I
1: miss that. I, yeah, that that blew my mind as well. Paul Stanley actually has a, a writing credit on another song from this album called "Angel You Devil to Me." And if you listen to it, thinking listening for like Kiss influences, I mean, it's obviously like a teeny bopper version of that. But it has that song has this like very classic rock styled kind of guitar solo, and it actually has a lyric: "She's hotter than hell and cool as they come," which is. Hotter Than Hell is a Kiss song. That really made me laugh.
0: (laughs) Okay, so this band, they are just around. I guess if you're a Berklee School of Music, maybe you're going to have people around like Paul Stanley and talent scouts and record labels. Maybe that's a place where they're sniffing around and seeing what's coming out of there. So maybe that makes sense that that would happen and it wouldn't so much happen if you were just, I don't know, a a random dude in shorts playing in, in some midwestern city or something yeah that might might make a little more sense but it also explains the the lack of depth a little bit too, I would think. Yeah, they got signed in 2004 and then they opened for Ashley Simpson, which was a pay to play. I don't know if you you knew that. I, I think it cost $25,000, which made me feel so gross. Just the idea that kind of stuff is so messed up. And, you know, I heard about it. You know, I do uh, the Krista makes a podcast and there was an episode mm-hmm. where Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup was on there and they were really talking about that payola and how mm-hmm even though they don't like maybe formally do money anymore. They do things like ticket giveaways and flyaways and things like that. And it's just like, it's a little bit frustrating thinking like once again, not just talking for my own band, but just like all the good bands out there that are in the trenches, as you put it and, and paying their dues and and doing things that way to know that there's like these, this business aspect to it, which of course there's a business aspect to it, but it's lame when you hear shit like that. like where where are you or I or some other band that we know that's real good from around where we live gonna get $25,000, not that we want to open for Ashley Simpson, but to open or buy on to anything. like no one has that money. You exactly, know?
1: exactly, and if and if a friend of mine told me, "Hey, I'm going to open for this huge artist. I just have to pay him this money." I'd be like, "You're getting scammed."
0: Yeah, I, I would advise against it. Yeah, well, in this circumstance, I guess it worked out for him because mm-hmm. it helped them sell ten thousand copies of their EP. So I guess maybe they got some of that money back in the time when people still bought music. And uh,
1: yeah, this song was big the same year that YouTube launched. So yeah. we are just now this is like i think right at the beginning of the transition into dig- into digital sales and then eventually which leads to streaming so yeah they sold a lot of
0: copies i think this song like this was a gold single i i found out in my research man that's a good point about the youtube coming out at that time because did you know that youtube is the number one streaming site i mean way more than spotify or apple music or anything youtube is the number one music site in the world yes i did know that dude it's a video site (laughs) why why would it why would it be and i guess it's just because it's so easy if you're if you're you don't have to download some other app or whatever you just search on youtube for anything and it's Most likely there, there's a 99.9% chance if you're looking for something, you're going to find it on YouTube and no matter what that is. So I guess it makes sense. It's a little bit depressing when you you think about like all the effort you put into the sonic sound of your recording and things and then think about Mm -hmm. the fact that people might just be watching it on their phone and listening to the sound through their phone, most likely what they're doing. Yeah. But people could do that with the streaming sites too, but on YouTube, that's almost a guarantee that that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it was like kind of a a perfect storm for them at that moment. If they had a music video where it made them look like little heart throbs (laughs) and then, you know, and then they have this, this very sugary bubblegum pop song and um, it worked for him for this song. Their album sold three hundred and fifty thousand copies, which is yeah. a lot. It's yeah, the highest that's pretty charting good. debut of that year. That's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I, I i would I would say I would say so. That's uh, again at, in a time where when people bought music, if I could sell th- three hundred and fifty thousand of anything, I'd be excited about it.
0: Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you didn't even have to put that first part under. If I sold three hundred and fifty thousand of anything, I'd be excited about it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, the music hit, uh, or oh, well, the the video was number three on TRL. TRL was still a big thing. Oh wow, um, I, di- I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a big thing, man. And that time, I had friends' bands who were like able to rally their fans and 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 get onto that countdown, and that was huge. And I look back on that and I'm like, why at that time? Why didn't we make a badass music video and just try to rally our? Because we have, you know, in my in my band, we have been able to like rally our fans to like do cool things for us and get behind us Mm -hmm. and uh why didn't we why don't we try to do that that would have been a good idea (laughs) but also they had the most viewed myspace band page so you also had myspace at the time which was a huge
1: thing oh yeah and i think especially for for music i discovered a lot of uh of interesting music
0: through myspace i discovered mclr's initially through myspace myspace as a way to promote your band, it was way better than... I mean, obviously, if you're in a band now and you're not using Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc., then you're really limiting yourself uh, to exposure that you could possibly get. I mean, um, you know, usually it seems like bands and artists are really good at one of the three and then just like kind of good at the other ones or not that or not have that strong of a presence it seems like yeah a lot of people like focus on one it could be a 24-hour day job if you're trying to like figure out the algorithms and figure out the strategy that's best for every single one Mm -hmm. but yeah this band for sure had at least the right people advising them on what to do every oh, yeah. step of the way.
1: Yeah. All the pieces are in place for them to become megastars. They have the huge label support. They've got they're touring with the a huge pop star at the time, huge video. They've got the package to use a, a gross music executive term.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean for sure. Hey, little little side note in our in the notes here. This was actually the highest charting song written by Adam Schlesinger. Like Yes, it was I, which is wild to me because I was talking to the producer Matt before this bigger than Stacy's mom, bigger, bigger than Stacey's that thing mom. you do. Mm-hmm. Like really that, that seems wild. Cause I feel like everyone still remembers those songs. Whereas this song, like, yeah, when you sang it to me, I remembered it, but it's not necessarily some like timeless classic. <laughs> it's, it was popular at the time and, and kind of, faded
1: away exactly like people will talk about the 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 range of of adam schlesinger's uh catalog including all the songs he wrote for all the different projects he did not just his his band but yeah there's very few people and i'm including myself in this i don't think
0: there are too many people who have done super deep dives into the click five catalog at least in america no i don't think so and 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 part of that reason is because they were here and gone so quickly. And this is where, uh, before we started this, Matt said, this was one of the more depressing bands that are artists that we've researched in this is that just as we were talking about, they were this sort of put together by a record label sort of thing. I think at some point after because they released a follow-up album, but I think at some point after they wanted to be an actual band, they wanted to like have artistic integrity and Mm -hmm. uh, wanted to write and develop and play their own songs. And and the label was just like, which was Atlantic, uh, was just like, no. (laughs) And then, you know, they released maybe one or two more albums after that, like years and years later and broke up. So it's always another like really disappointing thing to me is like you have this success Yo, yo, yo artist, yo, click five, you have this success and yeah, you had it right off the bat. Don't let it slip away. Mm -hmm. Stay, you know, stay on it. Have a, 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 an amazing career because you had this giant launch that very few people get and this band really, whether it was the band or whether it was the team behind them, they really fucked it up.
1: (laughs) No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I'm not going to lie here. I've become a Factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal was chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout, plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com/onehit50 and use the code onehit50 to get 50% off. That's code onehit50, the words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Yeah, <laughs> they, I, I I agree completely. We always look also at what was going on in music at that time mm-hmm. uh, that the song became a hit to like, you know, add some perspective. Yes, uh, so as a speak- fan of
1: the show, I've got some research for this also.
0: Oh, you do? All right. Well well what was go I'll I'll let you I'll let you take the lead on this. What was going on at the time that the Click Five with their song what was it called again?
1: Chess <laughs> uh, the girl. So this trust so two thousand five.
0: Yeah. Uh, what an what an
1: interesting what an interesting year uh, musically. So we had not only did American Idiot come out and top the, and top the charts during this year. I think maybe it came out later in two thousand four. So for rock music for rock music really our big the big stuff with the exception of the fourth Nickelback album was kind of political. We had uh, the two System of Down albums that came out this year mesmerize and hypnotize all right and then uh american idiot and then when it comes to like number like number one chart topping singles it was uh this was like a mariah carey comeback year she had a huge song this year called we belong together uh this was also the year that uh, that chris brown had her his first number one single hollaback girl was a huge hit during this time uh okay. by gwen stefani uh candy shop by 50 cent was another huge huge song yeah. And then I'm guessing probably on later in the year, A Photograph uh, by Nickelback was their big hit that year. <laughs> nice. So when I'm thinking of when I was looking through this and when you're looking of like the, the pop songs, the pop charts, specifically during this year, it, it's a lot of solo artists, uh, pop solo artists and rap. That was w- what was big. There was not a lot of guitar pop on the charts at all during
0: this year. Right. So, so this was kind of a, of an outsider to the charts, having something that even has, even if they're not that aggressive, it, it did have guitars in it at a time when a lot of songs on the charts didn't. So, I mean, exactly. I guess maybe that gave them a little bit of an edge and, and let them slip onto the charts gold digger was this year and that yeah, was- gold
1: gold digger uh was as well let me uh there was a couple other ones uh don't Funk with my heart by the black IPs. peas um i think x and y by coldplay also came out so okay. again not not a super aggressive band but when you're counting up chart stuff i always like to put all the guitar bands in one category versus all of the the singers or rappers
0: yeah i mean i have found researching other years too that you know you'd be look i'll be looking to see like okay where where are the rock bands where do they fall and a lot of times you're you're at like number 50 for that year before you even see like something even on the outside of of rock like i i the one year i looked at i I remember i had to get down to like 80 where i found like beck and you know even right right even beck like yeah of course he's a He's a folk singer and guitars are involved, but I think even that song, it I may have been like where it's at, which was like, you know, basically like kind of like a, a rap song. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cool that this band was able to break through a little bit that year and have a little bit of guitars on the charts, but still, I don't know, man, I listened to the playlist that you and Matt collaborated on for this week. Yeah. I gave it a good listen and it wasn't altogether terrible you know i i listened to it while i was eating breakfast and i'm like okay mm-hmm. i don't i don't hate this this isn't this isn't painful but also like i can't imagine myself at any point listening to it right it, it is the worst kind of reaction in that you're just
1: there's there's no reaction it doesn't make you feel strongly negative it doesn't make you feel strongly
0: positive i'm hearing uh, yeah maybe i would lean towards positive than negative just on uh, the sounds and the melodies of some of the songs. But yeah, man, that's, it's almost like as an artist, I would rather have a reaction where people hated it than not feel anything at all. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's not that I, I mean, cause I feel like if some people hate something, then some people are really, really going to love that same thing because in one way or another, there is an emotional response and that's probably how ICP exists. You know what I I mean? That's, that's, that's how like these like very polarizing artists exist. And this is not polarizing for me. This is like, yeah, it's, it exists.
1: It's, it's it's mashed potatoes. It's, you know, it's comforting. It's, 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 it's it's nice, but you know what? You're not going to wear the t-shirt, I guess. It's not going to become a... Like the same way, like I think, like punk rock for for you and I is very much a part of our our identity. I don't know if this band is ever going to be a part of was ever a part of anyone's identity. If that makes any sense?
0: No, no. And they weren't they weren't around long enough that I don't think they had super fans. They weren't. How could you be a super fan of this band because they just released one more album and then disappeared for a long time? And yeah, so they never even had that grassroots sort of thing. You had people that liked them for that minute, probably. Very young people, I mean, when I say young people, I'm not necessarily even talking about teenagers. I'm talking more like like pre thirteen I, I would assume
1: and I do agree with you, but in but i i want I would put an asterisk on that uh and say in America because um in in my research of their other two albums, uh because they actually ended up had three, they had like number one hits in Singapore and Malaysia, wow, with their second and third albums, okay. And, I found a YouTube video of them, the the song Jenny. Yeah, I found a video of them playing that song on a like a a TV show in Singapore, and people are and there are people screaming like Hanson, like they're like they are seeing Hanson in 1997, like the sheer just volume, and and this is also like they changed lead singers from the first album to the second and third albums, Uh and people are going nuts. But it was very specifically. And, and I thought it was maybe just a big in Japan situation, but what I found out is their their hits uh, from their later albums were specifically in Singapore and Malaysia.
0: Okay. Yeah, that is very, very specific. But I, that's, that's cool when you're a band and you can have pockets of places that... People love your music, and uh, yeah, you know that that definitely helps to continue making music, being a, be able to afford to continue making music. It's mm-hmm. pretty inspiring. Well, I want to touch on something that you mentioned earlier. Is you did pick this song, man, and you do like you do like this song. I, There's I, no I doubt. Do, I
1: do like I do like the song. I do like the song, um, but to. To qualify what you said, said, I had not thought about this song for a while until the Adam Schlesinger uh, tribute album came out and this someone covered this song. And I was like, oh. he wrote this? Oh. So that's why it's back in the front of my mind. But I will say 100%, I do think this is a good song.
0: Yeah, you had mentioned like being a little bit older than you were when the, the song came out that now you can enjoy music for what it is and not maybe so much all these other things that I'm talking about that I don't know whether you were feeling that at the time or not, which I'm the oh, same I, way. I, man. I 100% did. I, that's why I, I enjoyed it.
1: Uh, I never was like, I never bought the album like publicly, but I listened to the song a lot on YouTube.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that I'm the same way as like, I can't think of many artists that I care about that anymore. I ca- I care about I'm talking about like new music coming out now and like whether it's bands or solo artists or, or it doesn't matter who it is. I think that 99.9% of the time I am listening to it from a perspective of like the way it's hitting my ears. What does it make me feel? And not so much like, well, who is this singing and how did this come about? I'm, I think Mm -hmm. I can enjoy music in, in a more regular way. And I think the exceptions are probably if it's somebody from my like somebody that i know or somebody from my direct world where i i had no choice but to know how it went down and the way it went down wasn't cool or you know mm-hmm. or something like that right. and then and then i just won't be able to strip that from my mind it'll just be in there and it just won't allow, allow me to enjoy it this song you know like like a lot of music i i can i can appreciate it for what it is and i would have loved to hear adam sing it i don't know if that that does that exist that probably doesn't i exist, i right? looked i
1: looked so hard trying to find adam singing the song and i couldn't find anything because yeah. i would have loved to have hear him heard him sing this song also
0: i gotta check out that i know that covers album came out uh i think that the singer of speedy ortiz was the one who put it together i love that band and uh she put it together i believe for some reason i didn't listen to it yet but i'm I'm going to after this oh that's really good uh, yeah I know there were a lot of cool artists on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mikey uh, Erg does a great version of Hey Julie. Um, Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, the, the lounge version of Stacy's Mom is, is on there. And then the, the, the group that I had never heard of before this that covered um, Trust the Girl is... Uh, I think they're called Remember Sports. I'd never heard of them before. But it's like very kind of synthy dream pop. Uh, like you listen to their version. It's just like very MGMT-esque. It's like, whoa, where am nice. I at, man? Nice,
0: that's right up my alley. You, you brought up Rachel Bloom. Do you do you watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend? Have you have you watched that show?
1: Uh, I haven't seen all of it, but I've watched it, and I think it's amazing. Dude. I love that; it's so good.
0: The songs. I, I watched like the first three seasons, and the songs are amazing. And the fact mm-hmm. that then I found out that Adam had something to do with pretty much all of them, uh, whether it was collaborating or straight up writing. I watched that show the whole time and never knew that. And, and always, you know, normally, I don't know if I would normally like a show that like was basically a musical is what it was. And, uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know if I would normally like that if the songs weren't so good and so funny. And when I, when I found that out, I was like, damn, that, that dude's just crazy. But yeah, that, that's awesome. Rachel Bloom covered that song. I got to listen. Now I definitely got to listen to that. She's so funny, man.
1: Oh yeah. She's, so she's hysterical. And, and yeah, like all of, the songs on, on that show are incredible. When I found out that he was re- involved with that show, I was like, awesome. I was like when people who are n- primarily known for like, I love when One Hit Wonders can go on to have great careers and and even transcend their one hit. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know if The Click Five did that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe these dudes are doing something really cool. But my guess is... That's probably not the case. I didn't find any info on that. I mean, maybe they're doing cool things, but I don't necessarily know that it is playing music.
1: I think they mostly are in behind the scenes roles now. Um, Eric Dill, the first lead singer, uh, he has a couple of videos on on YouTube where he's like dressed like he's dressed like a like a, an the way I imagine most actors in Los Angeles dress. So he's, um, so he's probably, so they're still doing things, but I don't think they're like, they're not, they're not touring and releasing albums. They're they're doing things
0: that involve dressing, dressing fancy, (laughs) (laughs) which we can all assume that that means that it's probably something good. So yeah, good for them. Good for, good for the click five. A big part of this is we, this is gonna be a tough one this week. We got to discuss is this, this song bringing the one hit thunder, or was it a one hit blunder?
1: Oh, this that, is that, has a, that I I had thought about this this question. Part of me wants to lean one hit wonder because of all the stuff we discussed. This huge song, which was really great, but it was written by by somebody else, and this was their biggest hit in the United States. But I'm also inclined to think that if they had huge success in other parts of the world, I think that's just as valid of bringing the thunder as well. You know?
0: Yeah. Okay. I see that point. I just think that they were popular in Singapore, Malaysia after. I don't take that into too much account. I'm I'm thinking of my own world. I'm thinking okay. of the well, place I live.
1: Mm-hmm, then by that standard, I think I'd have to say one hit wonder then. Blunder or thunder? By that
0: criteria, I'd have to say blunder then. Blunder, yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to go with blunder on this one too. And I feel like I've given worse songs a thunder pass. I don't think it's, the song, I just think it's everything else about this <laughs> just screams blunder at me, not being able to follow up on it. There are bands that can use, I think the proclaimers are a good example. They had a big hit and then they just had this like long career after Used that one hit and the, the notoriety and the money and whatever they got from that to be able to sustain this long, successful career. And I feel like this band just kind of blew it that whether it was them or their team or whatever, they I, I don't think it was a strong post hit career because I, I really believe in my heart that if given that opportunity, me or a lot of other people I know could parlay that into a lifelong successful career music career. Like Quetus. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's a perfect example. They've had a cult following ever since, and they have been able to use the notoriety and popularity of that song to just, I mean, they'll make music forever. You know, as long as they want to, that's probably me being a little judgy about the Click Five. Maybe... For all I know, these dudes became producers and wrote songs for other – it doesn't say anything about that in there uh, on any information I've found. They could be behind-the-scenes guys, or they could just be normal people who work a normal job and have very nice lives, too, that – and there's not a damn thing wrong with that.
1: Absolutely not. Um could could I, I, I say something if if I was like friends with the Click Five, like what I would have advised them to do differently. Yes, yes. So first first of all, and I, I thought about this as well, because I think like if if you got if if the Click Five like if they were like a great a great live band to catch in the in the Boston area on the weekends and heads and had some support put on a really entertaining live show before the major label deal and and team gets involved. If they were like going out to Pittsburgh and and opening for Punchline, and you guys were like at, when you were beginning going to Boston, and there was like that that foundation of like uh, in a community, like we we talked yeah. a little bit about this on. On my podcast, if there was like a foundation, if they had, I think, more of a foundation as far as maybe being a part of a community, maybe more of a foundation live, I think they would have had a better time sustaining their career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They had no, I guarantee there's not a single band that I knew or toured with or, or friends with that knew who they were before this. So they had, yeah, if you have nothing to fall back on, yeah, what's going to happen once you, your fate is entirely in a record label's hands. Like you are 100% dependent on anything that happens for you on a record label. And it's not, I know so many bands that had that that shot from a record label that like legitimate shot that, you know, they had a song that either became a hit or was close to a hit, but were able to continue being a successful band after that shot at the big time or whatever you want to call it. And that's due to, yeah, the click five needed to go out and do five tours in a van before they, uh, had this, had this hit. And that's, that's not what happened here. And that's why, that's why no no one knows who they are anymore, and you know who's to say what any of us would have done in their position in life and whatever. But uh, I'm I'm being very nice about this band. I feel like I could be more of a dick yeah. about this I band, think, but <laughs> I feel like you're
1: making some you're you're making some fair points. Like I don't know how I could handle being in that situation either. But I do think, and kind of what we discussed, there is a difference between like having like pop fans cuz they'll be with you for a little while but they'll go away but then right. compared to like having a, f- a following like actual fans <laughs> exactly like you you brought up ICP like their juggalo's will buy everything they yeah. they put out until they don't want to put stuff out anymore i feel like slipknot will always have a high charting album as long as they want to keep releasing music metallica put out one of the worst albums in recorded music history in my personal opinion and it debuted at number one
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's when you pay your dues and you actually have fans then it's a whole different world man you could take your chance like this and yeah you could sell 300 you could have sell three hundred fifty thousand albums because of a hit song but then you can consistently sell 150,000 albums after that and have a really nice music career and not just disappear off the face of the earth. So it's a blunder. It's a good song. It's a kind of good song (laughs) written by a legend. Mm -hmm. And everything else about this entire thing is the epitome of what someone like me (laughs) thinks is wrong with music. (laughs) Oh yeah, <laughs> for and, lack and of I, a better way to put it.
1: I, and and I and I agree with you completely. I do think the the song uh, stands stands on its on its own, written by an absolute legend, like like you said. But everything around it is just, ugh. Hell yeah, man! Well, hey, Will, it was real nice having you on here, man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, Chris, thank you for having me. This was spectacular. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Pofaglios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. Underneath me, you're hearing The Reinventor off of Punchline's album, Delightfully Pleased. Check out Punchline's music at punchline.com. Check out this week's guest, Will's podcast, Between Awesome and Disaster, as well as his Patreon, patreon.com slash awesome disaster, and his band, Bright Ugly at brightugly.bandcamp.com. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at podcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps. And tune in next week for another episode of
0: One Hit Thunder. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.